You're listening to The Interview, in-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. The Retail Exchange is brought to you in association with Visual Thinking, inspiring retail performance. There are many ways for a retailer to make a name for itself and build international brand equity. From original product design to low pricing and increasingly having a focus on sustainability. Dutch variety store chain Hamer ticks all three boxes. In this latest episode of the interview series from the Retail Exchange, we're joined by Cheer Jagan, CEO of Hamer, to explore how a return on value and values is helping drive new growth and to shine a spotlight on his own storied retail career. Cheer Jagan. Welcome to the Retail Exchange podcast. Delighted uh, to be here, thank you. It's good, uh, good to have you with us. Um, firstly, if I can just get you to introduce yourself. So my name is uh, Cheer Jagan. Uh, my mother assumed I would never leave native Holland, so a bit difficult to pronounce, but it's Cheer Jagan. I'm the CEO uh, of HEMA, and HEMA is an acronym for, uh, for Dutch unit pricing company Amsterdam, founded in 1926. And in the meantime, uh, now uh, trading in 10 countries um, with a, um, a value brand that covers many, many different categories, and everything is designed in-house. Just tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Hamer. Yeah, so I, I, I've been in retail my whole career. So I started in, in, in my native Netherlands um, at the largest food retailer, uh, starting in all the, the, the key roles of store management, um, buying in the office. And then I had a 15-year um, trip across the globe working-wise. So I spent six years in Central Europe with the same company. I worked three years in, in a German retail company in Romania. I worked for Tesco um, as COO in Thailand and CEO in Malaysia. And then I ran the largest food division of a, a large Australian company in Sydney, Australia. And then in early 15, I joined HEMA, um, which I have uh, been doing since. So I've been now four years at the helm of HEMA. Yeah. And what is it that HEMA does differently to its rivals and its competitors? Yeah. So I think, I think there are a couple of elements which are quite unique about Hamer. So I think, first of all, the way the company was founded was really founded on the premise that you know, you, everybody should be able to afford and have access to products for daily life. And we were founded in the Great Depression, so uh, the latter half of the 20s, 1926, a revolution at that stage for retail in this country because everything at that stage was service, very high prices, and only the elite could basically buy in shops. Um, and our founding fathers brought in self-service, but also everything under private label, also a, a, a new concept. And as a consequence, we could keep prices very low and provide customers great value. So in a way, we democratize access to products. That's been the origin of the company. And we added design. Uh, so everything is designed by our, our own designers. And we make a selection of choice. So you, we do cover a broad range of categories. You could basically find everything for your home, your family, for yourself in our, in our stores. But for each need, there's only one or two items. So we have a very curated range to make it simple for you. And it's all based on the premise of great design, great quality, and great price, so a unique triangle. Um, and clearly, of course, we're moving on as a company as well. Sustainability has become a very important element of quality. And, uh, and, and we're covering also now more solutions than products. But that's the origin of the company. But a lot of retail brands will say that sustainability environmental, social conscience are important yeah. to them. How do you apply that in practice? Yeah, I think I think a big difference between many retailers who sell other people's products and brands and what we do is we actually control the whole value chain. So we actually know where every garment is made, 
We know if the staff get a proper schedule, if they can be part of a union, if there's daycare for their kids, what they're paid. We know exactly which item and which raw material is being used because we specify the raw materials in our product so we can actually make significant steps. Uh, and it's not just because we want it to be like this, because we feel and we want um, that ultimately, if you buy a product at HEMA, it's good for you, but it's good for the planet. And we can actually deliver. So four years ago, we had a rather small share of uh, sustainable cotton, for example, as a raw material. And within four years' time, we're now 100% sustainable cotton with every cotton product we sell. Same journeys now for paper, uh, tea, coffee, and all of our chocolates are all fair trade, out certified, because we control the whole value chain. And we strongly believe that ultimately quality for customers is not just how long it lasts, it's also how it's made. And we strongly believe that's what the customer wants from us, and, and we're delivering on this. You only relatively recently opened the first store in the UK. Yeah. Your plans are to have up to 75 in the UK. Yeah. Why target the UK now, given all the uncertainty there is around the situation? Yeah, so great, great question. Uh, we're trading in eight European countries, um, and, and the UK is one of them. Um, Clearly, we have to focus, uh, but we're still expanding stores also in, in the UK. And, and of course, we're, we're looking with a bit of concern how, how the developments will basically lead to uh, hopefully a more positive ending than people are dreading now in terms of uh, still free trade of products and, uh, and being able to invest and, and, and prosper in the UK. That said, um, our stores in the UK, we've got about a dozen now, they are actually from a like-for-like -like basis positive over the last three years we see growth of between three and five percent on like-for-like stores. So we bring something to the UK marketplace that we don't think is there. So we haven't um, abandoned our ambition to grow store numbers in the UK. We did, we did put a pause in to review the situation and then re-engage. Yeah. I mean, for a company that is keen to, to ramp up its international uh, presence and, and footprint, these are potentially very challenging times, mm. because not only do you have the situation with Brexit and the uncertainty that creates yeah. both on the yeah. UK and the European side, yeah. you've also got the, the big trade tensions, global mm. trade tensions between the two biggest economies, between yeah. the US and China. Yeah. How much of a bearing does that have on how rapidly you're able to, to move forward with decisions? Or do you just carry on regardless? Yeah. I, th I think it's, I think the, 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 the element of trade wars and what the latest duty discussions or duty decisions that have been made between the US and China will have on the larger economy, I think is difficult to predict. So I think I leave that aside. But what we do see but though- I mean, does, does, does that make you reluctant to push ahead with no, investment no, no, decisions no, 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 this and, and opening new no, stores this abroad? Stage, no, no, this stage. Because in a way, we've also changed a bit the way we are um, doing our international expansion. And I strongly believe retail has changed so fundamental and it's so different now than it is five or 10 years ago, that we only want to continue with our international growth with a partner. Uh, because we think a partner can actually know the local market better than we do, because everything we do is from Amsterdam, and Amsterdam is quite a cosmopolitan city, but it's still different to actually know what's happening in a, in a city in the Middle East or a city in North America. So, so our strategy now is we partner for expansion, and I can tell you we have numerous partners that have come to us that would love to um, bring the HEMA brand to their geography. And uh, the rate of expansion, courtesy to the partnership, will actually only accelerate versus what we have done so far as a company-owned business. And, 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 the, and the reason they would like to bring HEMA to their geography is because we're so different in terms of covering all those categories on the private label under one roof, having a very convenient box. Actually, our international stores 
are relatively small. So if you think about the future of bricks and mortar, I think it's either experience or it's convenience. And you can have a really convenient shopping opportunity at Hema where you can get all the products for your home at a great price in a great location close to your work, close to where you study. So we've got partners lining up who would love to take the brand to their geography. We would love to work with them. And I think I don't see basically the current developments changing that appetite. To the contrary, actually, I, I think because of online becoming so large and because brands that everybody sells become so commoditized, a brand that's unique to a country like Hema is actually more valuable because everybody is able to sell Nike or Adidas. Or, but, but when we come to a country, we're completely new. And, and I think customers are looking for new opportunities, new products all the time. But how do you cut through a very crowded market, very competitive yeah. field, um, especially with a, a brand that may not be yeah. as well recognized in the minds of consumers, and especially a brand that can be pronounced in different yeah. ways depending yeah. on the different countries? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and for example, we, we, the Dutch way of pronouncing it is Hema, but our French colleagues, French customers, called Emma, and our Spanish customers called Gemma. But I can tell you, it, it's, it is actually quite a simple strategy because ultimately, like in France, we've got 75 stores now. But two-thirds of Parisians know about EMA. And we haven't spent one euro on advertising. And the reason why this is happening in France, but also in other countries where we operate, we always start in a large city, Paris, uh, Lyon, Bordeaux, Marseille. And we combine travel locations. So we have at every single large train station, Bar Garde Lyon in Paris, a store which means millions of people every single day see the brands, are interested, intrigued, buy products. And then we supplement that with key city high street locations. So during their commute to see the brand, they get curious. And then in the weekend or in the evenings when they walk through the high street to see the brand, they go in. And we've got an extremely high conversion rate. It's very difficult to leave home without buying anything. And then you get word of mouth happening. And what we really embrace outside of our home country, building a brand is social media. So in France, with 75 stores, we got close to 300,000 followers on Instagram. That's three times the amount that Carrefour France has. And I can tell you Carrefour France is a bit bigger than Emma. <laughs> and even Monoprix, the established um, a retailer that sells similar products that we do, but branded. They've got 10 times more stores. We've got more followers on Instagram than they have. So we've been able through a strategy of great locations, a unique customer experience and social media to still build a brand profile. Hear more from Cheer Jagan when he joins the phenomenal speaker lineup at Retail Week Live 2020 in London, March 25th to the 26th. Visit Retail Week Live to hear and learn from 200 speakers with both strategic and digital sessions across the two-day event. Meet 50 of the latest startups and find the right partner to help shape and execute your future strategy. From the C-suite to tech teams, marketing, customer experience, retail and e-commerce, it's the must-attend UK retail event for those who want to stay informed. Find out more at live.retail-week.com. Use the Retail Exchange discount code RETAILEX15 for 15% off. Retail Week Live 2020. Retail Evolved. Just to pick up on a point you made there about social media, a retailer operating their own account uh, is one strategy. A lot of retailers will tend to use influencers to promote their brand. Do you go down that route or not? Yeah, we do. We do. It's, it's a mixed strategy. So what we normally do is we, we send influencers and we provide them with the latest products we develop for our customers. 
and you might be surprised, quite a few of them actually are happy to endorse it without actually there's a monetary exchange between us. So it's great, so that's a great model. Um, we do use influencers whenever we have a particular campaign or focus for a target group that's very much linked to those influencers. For example, we're the leaders in back to school in our home country. And I can tell you the 12 and 14 year olds, they're not really watching TV or reading a brochure. So we've always, for the last five years, worked with the main social media and, and YouTubers that they watch or, or, or see. And all of our campaigns there are gone through social media influencers. Actually, we've gone even further than that because the first time we used influencers, we noticed one young girl, she's called Beautiness is her name, was extremely popular with all of our young customers. And she's very creative. So we actually told her for the next season, we definitely would you like to continue with us? Or would you also want to develop a range of stationery, beautiness branded, exclusive at HEMA? And she's done, done that. And it became the best-selling stationery license in our, in our store. On the back of an influencer working with us and now her products. And she's, of course, extremely proud. So every time her new collection comes out, she's really excited to mm -hmm. showcase to all of her followers her new products. And, and she brings it to her, because she's a student as well, she brings it to her own school. So that's the way you can actually take an influencer to the next level. That's, re that's a really interesting example of, of um, a, a retailer really embracing new technology and uh, something you referred to earlier, which was the changing customer mm. habits. And, and do you see enough of that? Or, I mean, wh what are the examples? Are you giving us an example there uh, from your own organization? Are there things that you've seen that have been done like that by others that you thought, ah, I wish we'd thought of that first. Now, I think, I think the things that are happening now, which uh, we, we cover a broad range of categories, but I'll, I'll, I'll cover two categories, mm. which I, I think are really interesting there. I think it's beauty cosmetics and it's apparel. And, and you see a, a hyper-specialization occurring now in beauty. You see all kinds of new brands popping up with, with a unique angle and they build their fundament on this unique angle and become extremely popular in a very short time frame, just being online, so no physical premise, which clearly is, is, is showcases how you know, quickly customers change their, their, their preferences. It also means our rate of innovation and change needs to adapt and needs to increase, which we're doing. And we've actually even launched a bespoke brand for millennials in our stores because we felt having uh, even the principal of the companies, limited choice, everything under one brand in, in beauty, the, the, the landscape has changed so much. You need to also have multiple offerings there. I think in apparel, what you see, you get category killers. There's, there's a company popped up which just does men's Bermuda shorts, but in 30 colors and an amazing style. And they use mass media advertising, and I can tell you they're very successful. So, so it's it's you get a completely different competitor set, which actually forces you to change the way you operate. Um, and I think we're we're adapting as we can. Um, I think our complexity is that everything is designed by ourselves. So our lead times are a bit longer than you would like it to be with the changing environment. So we are reviewing our sourcing strategy to see if we can react quicker to market trends than we've done so far. I mean, it sounds like, you know, over the, the what is it now, almost a century that the, the brand has been going, the mm. retail has been going, it's been quite adept at changing with the times. One thing that, that doesn't seem to change is the strong Dutch identity. I mean, you have from Amsterdam, mm on your logo, it's evident in all your yeah. stores. Why is that so important? Yeah, I, th I think two reasons for it. I think, first of all, I think there's a, a grounding to the brand, eh? because if you would walk past a HEMA, or HEMA, 
Emma Gemastor. You would have no clue what it means. And by just connecting the word Amsterdam to the brand, I think there's already a connection because the brand Amsterdam has very strong values. Actually, it's not just um, by accident that the word Amsterdam is connected because the A of HEMA in the logo actually stands for Amsterdam. So we just bring it out more explicit because non-Dutch people wouldn't know this. And the second reason is, I think we've got a value set. Eh? I shared our founders had a vision on democratizing products. But because we're found in Amsterdam, and because I think Amsterdam is the pinnacle of Dutch culture and Dutch values, and especially the values that I think we appreciate most, which is about inclusiveness, diversity, progressiveness, tolerance, we, we are fundamentally of the belief that those values are essential for our brand also across the globe. So, and we're, we're getting more and more focused on this. So for example, we've been supporting Pride in Amsterdam every single year, donating, um, having special collections and donating the proceeds to the chapter of the, uh, the gay, lesbian, uh, transgender um, organization in the Netherlands for kids at school to be educated, how they treat with their emerging sexual preference, which is different from the norm. That's something we've done in the Netherlands. We're now doing it actually in every big city where we are to help local pride organizations, you know, um, have, have, have a better position in, in society because we strongly believe in inclusiveness. So Amsterdam for us is, of course, it's, it's grounding the brand, but it's also the values of Amsterdam, very much the values of HEMA. And what is it that keeps you going in day after day to do the job? I think you refer to it. I think this brand is now 93 years old and, and many, many retail brands have fallen by the wayside in the last decades. Um, and I would love to bring this brand in even stronger footing to celebrate 100 years of HEMA in uh, 2026. But also I think there's two other elements. I think providing, you know, a growing opportunity for 18,000 colleagues at the company that they can also see growth for themselves in the future and helping our manufacturers who actually produce the product for us for decades now, many family businesses. I also want to make sure they've got a prosperous business going forward. That's the reason why I, we would love to grow the brand further and we're working every day and night to help our customers making their daily life a bit better, a bit easier, a bit more fun with HEMA. Touch of Amsterdam uh, and great products for your daily life. Um, and what do you do in your daily life when you want to kind of escape the pressures of work? Maybe you had a stressful day. What do you do to relax? Yeah, I've, I've, I've become one of those mammals. So a middle-aged man in Lycra. Cycling's oh, so your it's, thing. It's, it's terrible, I know. But every, <laughs> every Sunday morning, I, I, I squeeze in that outfit. Yeah. Um, well, Amsterdam's the place to do it. Yeah, I mean, you can't and, move and then, for the and bikes. Then, and then we, the good thing is it's a very flat country. So I used yeah. to live in Sydney, Australia, where, you know, you, you couldn't avoid the hills and the mountains. So the uh, so good thing is it's all flat. It's only the wind is only the issue. So we always check what the wind direction is before we cycle. Okay. So we don't have the whole ride. And, um, and what do you do? You ride into the wind to make it harder and we, challenge we, we, yourself? Mixture, or you ride with the wind well, going depend, in your favor? It depends on Saturday <laughs> evening, what, 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 how Saturday evening was. That's, oh, that's, oh, I see. That's yeah, how yeah, Sunday morning plays out. <laughs> but that's cycling is a great one and the good thing of cycling is actually it's quite social because you can communicate with the people you're cycling with mm. and it's it's a sport that actually um, you know you see a lot of the countries so sometimes because Holland is a very small country sometimes we're even able to cycle to Germany even in one uh, one cycle so mm. it's great so you can also go international but that's my main hobby and I, I love spending time with my teenage kids and um, um, and I've got a passion for for wines um, 
and that's uh, that's not always a great combination with cycling. So I have to, <laughs> have to be measured there. Yeah. Well, the cycling first, then the wine. Exactly, I hope. Exactly, I hope. Exactly, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, you say communicating yeah. with uh, with cyclists when you're when you're yeah. actually on a bike. Yeah. Uh, most of my interaction with cyclists, if I'm on a bike, is get out of the way or I'm going that way. Move. move. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> so, it's it's fascinating <laughs> how cultures are different. So I think if you're on a normal bike, normal pushbike in the Netherlands, yeah, um, motorists are quite okay with you. Mm. The moment you're on a race bike. They become quite aggressive. So oh, it's, quite, really? it's quite interesting to see how they change. And I'm unfortunately Sunday mornings on a race bike. So that's uh, always oh, watch out for my Take it seriously. Yeah. That's great. Jid, really good to talk to you. Uh, thanks very much, Jid Jagan from EMA. Thank you. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast in association with Visual Thinking. Stay up to date with new podcast episodes by subscribing online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter, hashtag Retail Exchange. Thanks for listening.